human beings of the world, it's time to enter the spoilerverse through our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on scpod.net. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. United Army of the Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kinnickering, and that is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's Min Lei. It is. is. He, he was fun. He was a lot of fun. He was a wealth of knowledge and passion and uh, takes his heritage very seriously. And it's come yeah. across in the books that he writes. And I love this guy because he knows what he wants to do. He does. And it, it's his very directed on what he's doing. And, and it's, he knows his he, it's refreshing. He knows his stuff. Yeah. You know, well, the cool thing is, is like, there's not a lot of, I, I mean, I shouldn't say there's not a lot of people. I don't know if there's a lot of people at his level doing what he's doing when he concentrates on children's books. He's so good at making picture books. DC yeah. came to him and said, will you write us a graphic novel? Yeah, with the passion he has and the, the the knowledge and experience he has, it's he brings it to DC and, and created legacy and creates a story that I, I mean, I, I want to read it. I, I read, I actually read part of it before we talked to him, and it's what I read. I read the first like I think it's, I think it's a hundred and forty five, hundred and fifty page book, uh-huh. and I think I read about the first twenty or thirty pages, and it was it was really good. And after hearing him talk about John together, which you're going to hear him talk about here in a minute, it just I just want to read that one too. Yeah, and this guy is no slouch. People, he's no, he's got his bachelor's out of Dartmouth. Hello. Yeah. And then goes, gets his master's out of Harvard. Yeah, it's not, not, not messing around there. Yeah, this guy, and he's, you'll, you'll notice when he's talking, he's super smart, but he's super nice, and he's just a sweet guy. And I can't wait to talk to him again. I thoroughly enjoy talking to him. Oh, it was great. It was great. All right. Well, listen, listen to Min Lay in his own words. We are back, and today it's pretty special because we're lucky enough to have. Well, he's the author of Drawn Together. It's the uh, the winner of the 2019 Asian Pacific American Award, which is awesome. You're he's also writing for DC Comics and doing stuff with the Green Lantern, which we'll get into. And he's been on Let Me Finish, named the NPR Best Book of 2016. Min Lei, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So what is going on in Min Lay's world? You got anything new going on? Um, the the big new thing, like you mentioned, is is <laughs> getting to write a, a freaking comic book for DC Comics. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, um, that the the fact that they they let me into this world and let me write um, Green Lantern Legacy I'm fine. was was a total making us quiet, but everything else on thrill. Yeah. And so that came out in January. 
and it's been a it's a, been a really fun ride ever since. Yeah, and it's it's it is for middle aged kids, right? Yeah, they um, DC Comics is investing in starting a new line of um, books for middle grade and young young adult. Smart. And um, and they they invited me to to pitch them an idea, and it's it's been great to see the the cohort of books that they have out there is really strong. And um, I just saw the 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 Wonder Woman that they did. Um, just went to a second printing, so there's going to be like 200,000 copies out there already. Oh wow! So it's it's obviously it's it's catching young readers, and people are excited about it. So it's really fun to be to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, because you do a lot of stuff with childhood education. You're part of the the children's book consortium, all this kind of stuff. So learning and and, and writing to that audience is pretty special to you. Yeah, I mean, I've always been. Um, like, like you mentioned, my day job has always been working in education and early childhood education in particular. It's awesome. Working with children, um, and investing in children and their potential and everything has always been really important to me. And so the idea of writing for children, um, was a natural fit. And that was actually before I went the policy route and, and all that, my, if you asked me in college, what I wanted to do. My answer would have been work in a small town library and write children's books. So my my heart was always first awesome. and foremost in the writing for children yeah. space um, before I kind of branched out for the in the, the policy side of things. But I think it's there's so much of a sense of wonder when you're working with readers of that age that it's it's something that's also invigorating as an author too to kind of put yourself in that space of like how do you try to capture the world through those through those eyes right so i really personally i get a lot out of, out of it when you get into education policy what does that entail i mean because you're no slouch you graduated at harvard and got your master's in education policy so what does that mean <laughs> um well first of all thank you yeah <laughs> um so so my job um before and I, i'm still working kind of tangentially with it um was working in childcare policy so developing regulations and policies to work with states to help low-income families pay for childcare because it's so expensive, and then also helping make sure that the um, early childhood settings that the children are going to have a baseline of health and safety and all that. So for there are a lot of different ways I could have gone. For a while, I was running youth programs in D.C., um, working with kind of more middle grade or um, middle school kids um, that I was working for an early literacy program, which is really great where parents would come in and go to school with their um, infants, toddlers and like preschool kids. And the kids would go to their classroom, the parents would go to their classroom and then they would come together at the end to, to learn together and like do like parenting activities and reading together. Um, so I've kind of worked at education at a whole bunch of different levels. Yeah. Um, and it's all of it kind of, in one way or another, ends up informing the the work that I do as an author as well. And it's when I was writing Let Me Finish and working on books like that, that aspect of things also kind of fueled the policy work because it was a really nice balance between kind of like dense policy writing and um, writing a children's book. And when I joke with people that it's actually – a very similar skill, even though the writing is so different yeah. because when we're, when I'm working on policy, I've been in meetings where we're like, we spend like 45 minutes trying to dissect 
the comma placement in a particular type of legislation. <laughs> it's like, okay, since the comma is right here, what are the implications of this and that, right? So awesome. you have, you're working with language in a very concrete, very discreet, very technical way. Um, and that translates in a way to writing picture books because every single word, there's very few words in a picture book, at least the ones right. that I write. So everything there has to be, has to mean something, has to have a reason for being, right? right. So it makes you very intentional um, in a much more, hopefully fun and lighthearted way, but it's still in some way, there's a little bit of overlap there. That's cool. Like I'm seeing, I'm going through some of your books and the perfect seat. You, of course you got the green lantern legacy drawn together, which looks really fascinating. Um, actually looks really cool. I love that oh, cover. Thanks. What is drawn together about as a whole? So drawn together is about, it's inspired by my relationship with my grandparents, specifically my grandfather. Yeah. Um, so it's about a boy and his grandfather, and they struggle to connect due to a language barrier. So the boy's going over to the grandfather's house. They're trying, they're having dinner. They're watching a movie that they're trying to connect and they're actually asking each other questions, but they can't get any further. Um, and then the boy kind of gives up and goes to his bag and pulls out uh some paper and some colored pencils and he starts to draw and he draws a picture of himself as a as a wizard yeah and the and the grandfather peeks over his shoulder and sees that gets really excited he runs to his room and comes back with his own sketchbook and <laughs> some paint brushes and ink and start and paints a picture of himself as one of the like heroes from his childhood That's so then the story shifts to the world of the illustrations as the two characters um build a world together through their art and through that mutual love of art, they find that common ground and they're able to connect and the relationship um, is able to deepen through that. That's, That's beautiful. Really cool. That's beautiful. Thank you. And um, yeah, cause like for me, I grew, I'm Vietnamese American and Vietnamese was actually my first language, Yeah. but I kind of let it slip over time. Um, so I go over to my grandparents' house and like, there's never any doubt how much we loved each other. Right. But when you, can't communicate that through words it's that can be really tricky um so it's it nice to put a book out there that kind of like both or the hopefully was something that could capture both the the depth of love there but also the struggles that can come with that type of relationship yeah if if uh, schools wanted to get your books for the library how could they go about doing that is there a way yeah i think well we our books were published picture books were published through disney hyperion mm -hmm. but they were just recently acquired there's a big um publishing world shakeup. so now we are published through little brown young readers oh, which is cool. a fantastic publisher as well um so there's ways you can get it through them but also any any independent bookstore or barnes and noble or, or amazon if that's your the way you go yeah they're there are tons of places where you can, for, very fortunately, and it still kind of blows my mind that um, you can just find these books in in random bookstores and, and wherever you go. Yeah, I mean, these look great. I just feel like like I have a six-year-old and she's in kindergarten, and these are the, I, you know, stories like this is exactly what they should they need more of in the library, so, and they don't have enough. Thank you. I, I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. So how did you get into, when did you come up to the, you know, the realization that I want to make children's books and then you get lucky enough to work with DC to, to work on the Green Lantern, which is one of the all-time classic 
literature characters of all time. Yeah, like I said, my my first love was always picture books, and there was just something about the nature of storytelling that you could do through that format. I tend to be, by nature, um, a person of few words. Like I, I'm kind of like shy on the, on the more reserved side. Um, yeah, and so I like to write stories that are actually told more through the illustrations. So for me, picture books were perfect because I could come up with like a, a concept and working with illustrators, figure out a way to visually convey the story. Um, and I've joked with people that I feel like I've found this like cheat code to making books because I'll have a manuscript that's like maybe a page or <laughs> front and back. Um, but working with illustrators and people like, Isabel Rojas or Dan Santat or um, Gus Gordon, who did The Perfect Seat, and then Andy Tong, who did um, Green Lantern. It's like you see these words kind of like take on a life of their own, and it's really pretty magical. Um, the great thing with DC Comics is that I got a, a message from uh, a VP there um, asking if we can jump on the phone. Yeah. And, I, and at the time, I was writing, but also I was reviewing books for – having to post in like the New York times a couple of times. Yeah. And so I thought she was pitching me something to review. And so I got on the phone and she was like, we're about to start this new line of graphic novels for young readers. And we'd love to invite you to pitch us an idea. And um, my, my first thought was like, I think you have, I think you have the wrong number because <laughs> I write picture books. Um, but, but luckily I, that wasn't the case. And she was like, there's something about the the style of, of storytelling that you do that I think may may work well for a graphic novel format. So take a look at all our characters, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman on down, and um and just see if anything strikes strikes you. Oh, wow. So um yeah, and that's as as a writer and a kid who grew up reading comics, I was like that's like the dream. That's insane. Right? They just call you up. Yeah. Pick a character. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, um yeah i i hesitate to tell friends that story because i'm not sure they would like just like punch me in the face right <laughs> but it's like um but I, I definitely don't take that take that for granted right um but when i was looking at the characters i'm not sure how you're familiar you are with the, the green lantern story but and it's about a character who has uh, a strong willpower and there's a green power ring that's drawn to that character's yeah um strength of will and the willpower is kind of what activates the ring. Um, when I was looking at that, I was like, there's something very familiar about this character. And I realized that that was because I, I knew someone who fit that description. So I had this flash and this picture of my grandmother who always wore a jade ring and is one of like the strongest people that I know. She's like one of the, the heroes of our family's history. That's cool. So I had this idea of... Um, a 13-year-old boy who lives with his parents and his grandmother. And unfortunately, one day his grandmother passes away and he ends up with her jade ring. And that's when he finds out that it's actually not a jade ring. It's a Green Lantern power ring. And his grandmother had been a superhero his entire life and he didn't realize it. So then the story follows him as he's finding out more about his grandmother's secret superhero past. What? learning how to become a superhero himself. So did so did you just create two brand new Green Lanterns in one book? I, I think I kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. um, what, what was great about that is like, and that's actually kind of what drew me to 
Green Lantern as a character because yeah. within the Green Lantern universe, there are so many Green Lanterns already, yeah. both on Earth, but then also like in the universe at large. So the idea of creating two characters that could kind of slot into that existing world and like um, my goal was always to create something new but that also respected the history of the character and that and that universe yeah and yeah, tried yeah. to be as consistent with the existing mythology and character traits as possible um and i, I hope that i've done that but um but you're right it's like i have to just kind of somehow create these two new green lanterns <laughs> well man i'm 45 and now i want to read a i want to read something that's made for young adults Cause that sounds awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that, man. Books for young adults are great. They, they always have such heart to them. I think that's the big difference is the heart. And I, I just love that you have this passion for doing these types of books. Cause we talk to people all the time and they love doing what they're doing and it's, and it's great. Um, but it seems like you're like drawn to it. You know what I mean? Like I, this is what I'm meant to do, which, which is, I love it. Oh, I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, the, I was talking to a friend a couple of years ago. And we're talking about, about work and stuff like that. And I was kind of like, well, if I, if money wasn't an issue, um, would you show up at your job tomorrow? And I was like, well, honestly, probably not. Yeah. But if, <laughs> but if money, not that I don't think the work is important, but you know, it's like, <laughs> that's so it's, cool. But it doesn't speak to I you the same way. It. I was like, if, if money wasn't an issue, would you still want to write? And that was a clear yes. Yeah. It's like, that's, there's a motivation there that's kind of independent of the finances and the logistics and the reality of it. It's just like, there's that intrinsic drive to be a part of this world. And to there's something about the act of creating things for, especially for young readers that can tap into their imagination. That is really something that I feel very fortunate to be able to do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. Are you doing any more, DC stuff. You have anything on the horizon that they're going to say, Hey, now we want you to try to do this. Well, with, with DC, the great thing is like, we've wrote green lantern legacy, um, kind of as a, as a standalone. Yeah. Um, but the great thing is like, I kind of wrote it with that, the hope or yeah, at least leaving the too. option open of like, okay, if DC comics wanted to write me to write more, I at least didn't box myself in. Right. With the story that kind of was too self-contained. <laughs> right, right. So you can continue so yeah, um, the story there, on. If there you is want. the possibility that we'll have more adventures with these two new Green Lanterns, oh. um, and I'm always open to the possibility of, of writing more. It's I not- do have other projects in the works. Um, Dan Santa, who I wrote Green Lantern or um, wrote Drawn Together with, uh-huh. um, he, he and I have another picture book coming out in May, which is super exciting. Oh, nice. <clears throat> is can you talk about it or? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. What's it called? Um, so it's called Lift, mm-hmm. and um, it's about a a girl who's a young girl whose favorite thing to do in the world is to push elevator buttons. And um, I don't know if you have <laughs> you mentioned you have a kid in your life. Yep. Um, my boys, whenever we approach an elevator, it's like World War Three as to who gets to push which button. <laughs> or, like, oh, same. My kids fight over it all the time. Who pushes the button on the outside or the inside? Yeah, it's a um, Christmas tree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in this story, there's there's a girl who loves to push elevator buttons, and that's always her her job. Um, and then one day, her parents let her younger brother push the button, and that throws her into this tailspin. Um, but then she finds a 
stray elevator button in the garbage outside of this out of order elevator. And when she tapes it up next to her closet door, it actually ends up working and turns her closet into like a magical elevator that takes her, transports her to all these fantastical locations. Oh man. That's a movie so waiting was, to happen. That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> from from your from your lips to, <laughs> right. to whoever makes those decisions. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for for me, that was again like that idea of like trying to tap into those very fundamental things about being a kid, right? Yeah. And I just remember, um, or especially like watching my boys, it's like there's something that's like you're just drawn to about the the magic of that um, pushing an elevator button and the simplicity of having it light up and that, that satisfying ding. Um, and so to have, to turn that and press that story further about like, what if you had that same feeling, but it, it actually took you somewhere totally fantastical. Um, and Dan took it and just totally ran with it and produced this really beautiful book. Yeah. I'm looking at the cover. I'm looking at the cover right now and it looks amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the um, he he is such a talented illustrator. Yeah, the wonder you can um, see, even though the 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 image is kind of small, you know, but you can see <laughs> the uh, the wonder in her eyes as she's opening the door and and, and looking out into something new. It's kinda, it's like, I can see it now where kids hit like floor three and all of a sudden you know the mall opens up to a shoe department and all they see is shoes and they hit floor four and they open up and it's and it's all you know, pants and men's clothing and stuff like that. And I can see in their head how that all of a sudden that'll translate into different worlds of each floor. And then you kind of go from there and it's, uh, yeah, I think that's brilliant. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and I think you mentioned before, there is a scene where the girl does end up pushing all the elevator buttons and getting <laughs> into trouble. So <laughs> That's awesome. That comes out in what, May? Um, yeah, in May. Oh, I look forward to that one. Oh, wow. yeah, I hope I hope you enjoy it when you get your hands on it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to get it and, and uh, read it to Ella. She'll love it. When nice. you uh, start scripting out these books, what's your process? Do you, you have something in your head? And then do you, like, write a script for the artist? Or do you kind of work side by side with them and say, this is what I'm thinking of? And then they come up with something? Or how does that work out? Um, well, it's actually very different, similar but different between picture books and graphic novels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with picture books, I kind of try to start with just like the concept because I work, I think so visually as a writer that um, within publishing, they have what's called the log line. If you can describe a book and like, you have to describe the book in like one sentence or at most two, right? Yeah. So for me, it's like coming up with that, like one simple description of the concept. And, and then I kind of back my way into the text of the story once I know what the what the story is. And because picture books are so visual, I try to keep the text very slim. And then I put some illustration notes to kind of, because if you took the text out of my picture books, you wouldn't really get a sense of what the story is because it all hinges on what's going on in the pictures. So I try to include some light illustration notes to help the illustrator and the editor kind of know what's going on. But with that, you want to keep a very light touch because my, my general approach is to put just enough on the page to allow the illustrator to kind of like infuse it with their own storytelling and like take, bring it to life. So that's, that's with picture books, but graphic novels, because I think it's because it's so much longer 
there's a lot more hands-on and the illustrator and I are actually on the same email thread going back and forth as, as I'm putting out pages, he'll send sketches and we'll kind of go that way. Whereas with picture books, there's kind of a firewall where I send in the manuscript to the editor, they work with the illustrator and then will send me sketches, but there's always a go between. Yeah. So, you don't. do you have, do you have input into who the artist is a lot of times or do the editor come back and says, Hey, this is who we're using. Um, it depends. I, it's not necessarily expected or typical that you do get input. I've been lucky in that the the editor that I had been working with, Rotem um, Moskovich at Disney, and I had a great relationship. So we kind of talked about that. With Drawn Together, it went totally backwards because usually you sell a manuscript and then the editor will, um, with your input or not, identify an illustrator to work with. Yeah. For Drawn Together, it was complete backwards in that Dan had just won the Caldecott, which is the biggest award in, in picture books. And my editor had taken him out to celebrate. And while they were celebrating, she said, well, I just started working with this new author named Min. Um, I think you two would make a really great pair. And thankfully, he said, yes, that sounds good to me. Have him send me um, some ideas. So I got an email from my agent saying we have a chance to work with Dan yeah. Santa. We need, I need you to send me two to three book ideas within two days, or we might miss our window because he just won this award. He's yeah. going to go on this like victory tour. Um, if we don't strike now, we might, might lose this him. might pass us by. Yeah. Um, and so I had, just, my wife and I had just come back from the hospital with, after the birth of our second son. Oh. So I have this very um, strong memory of being awake at three o'clock in the morning kind of like rocking this baby to try to get him to go to sleep and trying to figure out like, how do you write a book for someone who just won the biggest award in children's literature? <laughs> and, um, and thankfully this is what came out in my like new dad delirium. The, the concept for drawn together. Wow. Emerged. That's awesome though. Do you tend to have ideas on the ready or, or is it something like it comes to you? I need to work on it, get it out. And then move on to the next one. And so I can um, see how that, cause I can see how them telling men, I need two, three ideas. I want to, I want to get this guy before he leaves. That's a, that's a great question. I, I generally try to have between like three and five viable ideas in the hopper at any given moment. Yeah. Um, but with the, with John together, it was different because I didn't have anything at the ready that I thought would, would work well what that that made sense for for him so um, something about me too is like and i know a lot of people like this i feel like i can be most creative when i have a few parameters yeah like if you just give me like here's a blank page come up with something like that's like there's almost like too much possibility right right but the having almost like having an assignment here it's like come up with a story that will be illustrated by dan santa then that kind of gave me something to work with of like, okay, what do I want? I know his style very well. He's, he's written some of my favorite books. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with what he does. And so in my mind is like, what story do I want to see him illustrate? What would I, what would be fun to see him put on the page? So for that, it was like, he has such a dynamic and action ability to like illustrate action, but also the books I love most from him. I also have a lot of heart. Yeah. So trying to figure out something that kind of balanced those two. 
And what I didn't realize at the time, like I'm Vietnamese American, so that's a very personal story for me. Yeah. What I didn't realize at the time was that he's Thai American and he had a similar relationship with his grandmother. Oh, so you just hit his heartstrings yeah. like crazy. Yeah. So he so he couldn't speak communicate with her very well. So it just kind of like resonated with him and he just took it and like really you can tell he really invested himself into the story. And for me, that's what you need for a collaboration. I want to write a manuscript that unlocks something in the illustrator so that they kind of take him and like they make it their own. Yeah. And, and for me, that's when a, a book is most successful. <laughs> that's awesome. And with, and with Green Lantern also Andy, who's such an amazing comics artist. I was um, just getting, I was just going there. To, <laughs> say, say that again. I said, I was just going there. I was going to ask you about oh. him. So this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad that we're on the same path. <laughs> um, but he's, for someone who isn't used to writing action um, yeah. in a picture book, or not that kind of same comics action, when we're talking to DC Comics editors, they're like, there's no, it's not like filming a movie where you have like a special effects budget and you're, they're kind of like the constraints of that. They're like, with writing, like you can write whatever you want. There's no constraints except for the sanity of your illustrator. Right. <laughs> um, so I write these scenes and I was like, okay, I'm going to try to go for it. Um, but I always had that worry. Like, is this putting too much on too much on the illustrator? Is he going to be able to like come through with, is this too many people? Is it, is it, is this too weird of a concept? But every time he would just send back this sketch that was like above and beyond what I had in mind and his, his ability to capture the kind of like quiet emotional moments. And then also like those like big, action the sequences is really something that's mind-boggling to me yeah you know when i read a comic book a lot of times i look at how do they deal with the mundane you know mm -hmm. because the action can get so overwhelming so much is going on a lot gets lost in translation you know or the mundane stuff it's things that all of us can relate to and so when you have an artist that can really gear in and and, and make you feel something for something so simple as two people having a conversation at a table and then their surroundings are there uh, kind of goes a long way. And it sounds like you had to deal with a lot of that kind of stuff, which is great. Yeah. And I'm glad that I, I'm, I'm with you for, for me, like the, the superhuman stories that resonate the most are the ones that were very much grounded in something human. Yeah. Right? When they're too out there, I, I like, I feel like I don't have a foothold on the story. Right. Um, so for me, finding that balance between something like Green Green Lantern as a character, like the you have this literal universe of possibility at right. your disposal, right? But I feel like for me, it works best when that is tethered to something very human and, like you said, mundane. Yeah, and that it's in those mundane moments that you kind of like learn what a character, who a character is, and then that comes through in different ways when you have those like action sequences yeah right so i feel like the payoff is the payoff of the mundane is played out in the in the action because then you're invested in it in a way because I've, I've seen like you you mentioned before i've seen comics where like there's so much going on the page i'm like i don't even yeah. i can't even tell what's going on yeah there's too like much where what i'm supposed to be invested in um so it's a it's a tricky balance but it's one that's fun to try to navigate yeah so you said you were a comic book fan as a kid. What was some of your favorite comics to read? I was 
mostly into X-Men. Uh-huh. Um, did some Spider-Man. Venom was really big when I was when I was reading. But what's funny about X-Men is that so I spent a lot of time in junior high kind of like trying to recreate Jim Lee's Wolverine. Yeah. To me, that was like the, the pinnacle. That was the pinnacle. And then, <laughs> and then he, I think I even have a, a pair of jeans somewhere where like I destroyed them by trying to draw Wolverine on like my thigh. <laughs> um, but then now D, Jim Lee is the, the publisher for DC Comics. Yeah. So to get to, to meet him and he's such a great guy. And to have him kind of put his stamp of approval on this story was like one of those like career highlights of like, that's, that's something that I can't quite wrap my mind around still <laughs> That's awesome. Um, as the, as the like 12 year old boy, just trying to, to doodle his way through school. Then kind of copy now, Jim Lee's work. <laughs> and then you're here, you are working with them, getting his approval. And you're just like, this is unreal. Yeah. I love exactly. it. So, and when I, when I first started writing Green Lantern, um, I wrote to my editor. I was like, would it be possible to get some of the, the back catalog so I can do some research and kind of make sure that I'm really familiar, as familiar as possible? Yeah. So they sent they sent me this big box of like all the back matter. Um, and I was sitting there reading through and had that like moment of like, I don't know how I backed my way into this being my job. And I'm like sitting here reading comics as my research. <laughs> like that moment, so like you funny. actually are living the dream. Right. Um, right. Is, is, is a fun one. It's like, you kind of think to yourself, I really can't complain about anything now because yeah, exactly. no matter, it's like, what am I going to complain about? You know, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm reading comics I, I for still, my job. I still find a way to complain about sometimes, but I try <laughs> to put it, keep it in perspective. So for sure. How important, is it for you to be able to express the Vietnamese American heritage and culture into the books that you write? Very. I'd say um, that's kind of a a lot of the baseline that I come from as a, as wanting to tell stories is comes from what wasn't available to me growing up. Yeah. So my, like my, my parents would take us to the library all the time and my, my sisters and I would be those kids who would, come to the front desk with a stack of books taller than we are and, and take like half an hour to check everything out. But then we have all these books at home, but when it came time to like do story time and bedtime, a lot of times my parents would still just tell, uh, make up their own stories. And sometimes those would be totally just like fantastical. Sometimes they'd be rooted in the, their childhood in Vietnam yeah. um, or stories that they heard from, from Vietnam. And it wasn't until later that I realized that, they were kind of forced into becoming storytellers because the stories they wanted to share weren't available. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, there's been a lot of work with like the kind of like diversification of content that's available now. And I think I feel really fortunate to come up in a time where there is that push. Um, And so I take that responsibly with a, with a a lot of seriousness. And with this book, it, it was like, I wanted to write something that was, I mean, first of all, the, the idea of creating a character based on my grandmother yeah. and turning her into a literal superhero. I love it. Was really I fun. absolutely um, love but it. There's, but there's so much, there's also a lot of pressure there of like, yeah. okay, I want to make sure I get this as right as possible. Right. Um, I was joking with another author who talked about 
what we call rep sweats <laughs> of like the the pressure the particular pressures that come with trying to represent a community right. and you realize that there are limitations on that and like you can only represent as as well as you can there are always going to be people who come to a community or have a different experience or a yeah. variation on that but to try and make it as authentic as you can was was important to me and both for i kind of look at it on a couple of different metrics like one is for that kid who had never seen a vietnamese um superhero vietnamese american superhero before that's going to be something new something i wish i had as a kid yeah that's awesome right yeah that's I mean, that's that's a i think it's like super a, again, important a like dream for me i grew up white right i don't have i didn't have those type of feelings that you're you're showing or that you're saying right now because everything i read and everything i watched was catered to me you know what i mean so then as you grow up and then you go through college and you go through and you start talking to people and you start meeting this you know we grew up in a i grew up in a small town so it was you know 99 white you know and so as you start growing up you start meeting other cultures you're meeting everything you start to realize yeah they're their viewpoint is a lot different because, you know, there is nothing, there was nothing representing them. And I think now it's so nice to see all this stuff coming out that gives you a different viewpoint of, yeah, it's one of the best parts about being a reader of, right now of life as a whole. And so right. it's cool that you're able to do this and then incorporate your grandmother into it is, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate that. And like you said, like the, um, growing up, I didn't have a lot of, characters on the shelf who looked like me but i was really into before i got into comics i was really into greek mythology and i would read a lot of like stories about like hercules right and um as a reader <laughs> I, I joke that you can't picture anyone more different from hercules than the skinny vietnamese american version of me <laughs> growing yeah. up in in connecticut but i was able to find my way into that character and find similarities and invest myself into that character, even though we were worlds apart and worlds different. So what I like about putting these characters out now is like, like I said, on the one hand, you have the people who, the readers who do identify, but then other readers who don't identify, there are two things I think that are of value. One is finding those common ground, that common ground with characters who aren't like you, but then also being able to see the spotlight to other characters as well um, and realizing that there is space enough for, for all of us at different times. And so I hope that those do come, do come through. Yeah, I, I think they do. I'm, I mean, cause that's the one thing like I go through, like my favorite green lantern is John Stewart, mm-hmm. you know? And I just like, yeah, his, yeah, I like his rigor, you know, I like his, mm-hmm. his, everything is black and white and he's very forward. And he's very, you know what I mean? This is the way we're doing it, you know, and I I like that. And and I never thought of it, oh, he's 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 the black guy being Green Lantern. I didn't, you know, doesn't matter. Because yeah, we're gonna everybody's gonna have cultural differences in my mind, but it's those it's those inane human things and those and plus we're all here trying to get through. There's a lot right. of there's more commonalities than there are differences, and I think it's, it's I think it's beautiful when you get to be able to write a book like this and you get to highlight some of the differences, but then show all the commonness that we have. Yeah, something that I, no, I first of all I appreciate that, and something that I've talked about and like I've heard other authors talk about. Yeah, with especially with like Green Lantern are drawn together, it's like they're culturally very specific, but it's in that specificity that you're able hopefully to tap into something universal that can appeal across 
those specific circumstances. Um, and I think the the trouble that you sometimes get into is when you try to make when you try to reach for the universal to start with, yeah. it becomes so general it doesn't resonate. Right? right. But if you go deep, then that's when you hit something that is deep for for a lot of people. Like with John together, I'd be out on the road and like people would come up to me and talk about like how they had a similar language relationship with their grandparents. Then other people would come up and say, I spoke English with my grandparents, but we still didn't connect until right. we found cooking or music or art. Right. It's like so if there are there are those deeper relationships and aspects that that transcend the the specificity, but I don't know if you get there unless you really are willing to to dive in. Yeah. Um at least that's like again, like I said, that's that's always the hope. What's the uh, one thing that DC really did for you that helped you along in this project? That you're like, I'm so glad they did this. I don't think I would have made it if they didn't. Is there anything or? Uh, I'd say a little bit of everything because yeah. I, when um when we started, I was like, I don't know how to write a graphic novel manuscript. Um, yeah. I was like, that that's totally new ground for me. Um, and what was great, and and I'm not just saying this because it's flattering to myself yeah but apparently like my agent talked to them and apparently they're like we know that men and some of these other authors we're bringing in don't know the graphic novel format um and we're okay with that because we what we want is people who know how to tell stories for these for this age right we can we can train you on like what a manuscript looks like what what the page is supposed how it's supposed to be formatted um what we want is the story. And so for them to take that approach and be like, okay, that's genius. You're the, you're the storyteller. We can equip you with the tools that you need to make this graphic novel. But like, it was clear where their value was. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so they ran a couple workshops for us about like, um, and brought in um, amazing creators like Gene Yang and, Mariko Tanaki to to kind of show us their process. Yeah, we just had Jin Yang on. Gave us a, it's like, it's like the dream. Um, how to write a comic one hundred and one, right? Yeah, <laughs> going straight to the like the, again when I talk about like the, living the dream, the the idea of having DC Comics call you up and be like, we're going to show you how to write a graphic novel is nothing you could have possibly written into, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. into your life story. So so yeah, they they were great about both helping me figure out the the technical the technical side of things um both in the story formatting but then also with green lantern like i would write some some things and every now and then they were like let's check with our green lantern expert to see if that would work yeah and <laughs> so because like there's some technical aspects of like how the ring operates and stuff like that that and oh, to know that there's a backstop there of yeah. someone who just like knew the character inside and out and they could say that that works, that doesn't quite work, and was a huge relief um, to know that you had that level of expertise and depth at your at your disposal if you needed it. Yeah, because you're not just shooting in the dark. Right. And the last thing I wanted to do was to write something that wasn't true to the character. Yeah. Um, and to know that like there would be someone there to say, oh, that's that doesn't that's not how the the ring works, so that's not where this character comes from, like, or that's not that character's 
personality was super helpful to just know that there's um it's almost like having a historian to fall back on if you yeah, that's it. awesome we just had gene yang on the show like just a couple weeks ago how did you like working with him he is amazing well with the when we did that, it was more like he did a almost like a webinar on his process. So yeah. we weren't super engaged that way. But his book, American Born Chinese, I mm-hmm. have it on my wall right now. <laughs> nice. Is one of those books that like kind of like broke things open for me. Yeah. Like as a as a reader, as a as a voracious reader as a kid, but it wasn't until I read that book after college that I kind of like realized what I had been missing. It was like that's the book. I didn't know I was waiting for this entire time. Right. Um, and for me, that really just like, you didn't know how much you needed it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's, yeah, it's, so he's, he's amazing. He's, he's one of my, the, the writers I, that I look up to. I'm super excited for his new book, dragon hoops coming out. Me too. Yeah. I think it comes out like in a couple days. I hear the, um, beyond what the content is, Mm -hmm. that it's physically a beautiful object. I think I heard that the, the book itself feels like a basketball. Oh, that's going to be cool. I'm pretty sure I heard that that may be, that there may be some like texture things. Um, But yeah, for everything I've seen about it, it looks amazing. That is amazing. So that's exciting, man. I don't want to get your hopes up in case it doesn't feel like a basketball. I'm sure (laughs) that would make sense though. That would be an awesome thing to go and look. I'll just look on Amazon to see if they have it or, you know, (laughs) but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for that one too. Cool. Well, Man, it's been almost an hour already. Can you believe that? No, time time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on, man. I, I'm excited for Lyft to come out. I want to go pick up uh, your Green Lantern because I I love the concept. I, I love what, what you're doing with it. I'm going to read it to my, to my kid and hopefully she'll, she'll resonate. It'll resonate with her because uh, I, I keep trying to geekify her. <laughs> I love it. As much as her mom doesn't not want me to. Yeah, exactly. As much as her mom doesn't want me to, but her mom just watched Locking Key on Netflix and now wants to read the comic book. So, oh, nice. I haven't got around to that one yet. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've heard good things. Yeah, it's pretty good. If you're like like the supernatural genre, then you'll you'll probably enjoy it. Were you a Buffy fan at all back in the day? Um, I somehow missed the boat on that one, and it's uh, funny because like everyone's like, I don't know how you didn't watch this because it's like right up your alley. So what I need to do is like get the get sick and catch up on on everything you know what i i just watched buffy all the way through for the first time just last year so oh really yeah. okay so i'm okay that's you're not alone to, you're not to, alone there's <laughs> <laughs> plenty of room in my boat man come on board <laughs> <laughs> i love it well all right man well thank you so much for coming on when you have new stuff man come over i'd love to talk with you you're you're a great guy and oh, uh, same, same with you. It was just such a great conversation. I, I really appreciate it. Good. I'm, I'm glad we wanted to, we try to make it to where it's just effortless for you. And, and you're just talking about stuff you know about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you, you knocked it out of the park on that front. So <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> All right, man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Well, there you go. So you know what the, the, my one takeaway from this whole thing was, what's that? Is that, Young reader books are just beautiful books because they're so there. There's so much spirit behind them. Yeah, I think when someone takes the time to try to put themselves in that childlike mindset and yeah, recreate that innocence. Um, almost, I, 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 I think it's awesome. You know, and he's got. <laughs> I mean, dudes. I mean, I, I love the concept of lift. Okay, I want to read that book. 
I think it's in the garage. Right, I want to read it too. I want to read all of his books. Actually, they all look good. And Lyft, the new one, looks awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I know. I'm disagreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. there you guys go. Go check out Min Lee. M-I-N-H-L-E. Min We'll have links down in the show Min notes for you click on. Oh, my God. we got to edit that yeah, Min Lay. Min Lay, not Lee. Yeah, let's edit that out. Yeah. So go check out Min Lay. M-I-N-H-L-E. And yeah, there'll be links in the show notes below to his website and to where you can buy his books. Yeah, because this guy is, he, he's awesome. If you got kids, buy these books. Exactly. Yep. Yep. You know, don't don't mess around. Just buy these books. These, these would be great for the kids. And if you have like a 10, 11-year-old, get them the Green Lantern Legacy. Or if you just want to read a good, uplifting book, get it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the concept <laughs> of being able to make his, first of all, he just created two brand new Green Lanterns. He Which did. He most did. likely will find itself into the actual DC universe. Oh, I'm sure they will at some point. Because they're too good. They're, it's too good yeah. of a storyline not to. Yeah, it's too good. Yeah. I, I hope he does more. I hope he gets a chance to do more, either with that no, Green Lantern or a whole new thing. Yeah, me too. Me too. You know? So, all right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, don't forget, we have so much more coming out. And so much in the back catalog that you could enjoy if you go back and check it out. It's um, kind of crazy how much we have. It's yeah. yeah, it's 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 insane. We have, you know, we have a whole crew helping us with this podcast now. We got Casey T. Allen, our man on the street, that's doing a million interviews a week. It feels like, yeah, yeah big, big Hoss, Jeff Hoss scheduling those. Yep, <laughs> scheduling all our. He keeps us so busy. We actually have to tell him, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down, guys. Slow down. Yeah, slow it down <laughs> a little bit. Uh, we got to get stuff done. Yeah. No, it's great. But it's honestly, great. go it's check great. out the back catalog. You'll 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 learn so much stuff about all these amazing people. Yeah, you will. And and we have so much more coming out. We can't wait to tell you about it. There you guys go. Don't forget, open the mind. <laughs> <laughs>